Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee ownership. Hello, my friends. Thank you for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. As many of you know, I joined the Clubhouse app in March of 2021, and it's just been a great place to meet people, some already involved in employee ownership, some who know nothing about employee ownership, and I've just met some great people and had great conversations. And one of my favorites on Clubhouse is Abraham French, and we've had so many interesting conversations that I wanted to bring him on the podcast. Abraham, say hello and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. I'm really glad to have you ask me to be here. Well, it's my pleasure. And do me a favor, give us a thumbnail sketch. I know you as the guy from Clubhouse. Why don't you tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about yourself and your connection to employee ownership? So I'm a software developer and I've been a software developer for decades now, years now, but currently with a security company, AppGate. But before I was in software, I'd actually worked at Whole Foods Market and definitely enjoyed that there. And a long time ago, I actually was a ballet dancer. And so I've done just a variety of different things. I have a wife, three kids, my oldest is 19. And I also have four goats and 11 chickens. And I live in the city of Dallas. So it's a fun time. That's one of the things <laughs> that I've loved about our conversations where we have talked on the clubhouse app and I'll hear a little bit noise and you're like, I'm feeding the chickens and I'm, you live in a city. So it is very, very cool. Abraham, I know that you have not just a deep knowledge of cooperatives and employee ownership generally, but as broad a sense of the history as anyone I know. And in our conversations on Clubhouse, you have shared so many things that have helped with my development. For example, I've generally said ESOPs, co-ops, and collectives, and thanks to you, I'm now saying worker cooperatives because there are more than one, there are four types, and there are a lot of conversations you've done along those lines. But one of the things that I found most fascinating is your talks about Mondragon, and Mondragon has come up a little bit on our podcast uh, with other guests, but we wanted to do this episode of Lessons from Mondragon and have you share the history and what we can learn from what's going on there. Now, before we get to Mondragon, we like to open all of our podcasts with having our guests share their EO aha moment, that moment where it just struck them that employee ownership could be transformative, not just a good idea, but really a game changer. Have you had an EO aha moment you'd like to share with us? Yes, yes. My first, I was my... 20s, early 20s, and I was working for Whole Foods Market. It's not really my one, but it's the, the precursor. The, in the 90s, and we had this concept of when you joined, you actually joined a team. And then in that team, there was actually this process of it might take one or two months to actually have you'd be voted on. They actually had this like ability. So it was a chance of your peers to work with you and if you're a great person to work with and all that, they were like, yes, and they'd vote you on. And so there was this culture of once a month, we would get together as a team and, and talk. And I would say like at the time I was just, I was vegetarian and I was in this market, riding on a bike there every day. And it was just this place where I was like, if they didn't pay me, I would still love to work here. As time progressed on, I, I then left that and went into other things. And so then I find myself in 2018, it's a Saturday and I'm just scrolling through YouTube 
and uh, comes up with this video and this professor he's talking there and he's talking about marxism and i'm just like you know marx is what 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 is this i am you know more left-leaning more liberal progressive all that kind of stuff but you know was marx what, what is that and he starts talking about how marx actually wrote most of his stuff in english and actually lives in england and actually was way before lenin ever you know with russia and all these kind of things he's kind of like making it simplify it down for me and i'm like oh okay well, that's that's interesting sure and then he goes into kind of the types of socialism and stuff and professor richard wolf and towards the end he's talking about both the failures of what's known as socialism and, and communism and of the critiques of capitalism and marx's critiques of, of it and how marx actually had no governing strategy or ever thought it in those terms and then he talks about in the workplace there's this old style of it that we have not been working with we've not been trying to do and in there there is this like ability for a type of corporation that is not a a charity it's not just a group of friends it sometimes even happens spontaneously of eight or ten guys from silicon valley will just quit their job working for the man they, they hate it there and they'll go off as developers and they'll all work equally in a commune kind of thing where they just kind of do this thing together but what is called is a worker cooperative and the power of it is that every worker is also the owner and it turns so many things on its head and he started walking through this whole thing and i've been on startups i've been in startups that were kind of like I came in a little late, later on, they were, they were becoming an established business. I've worked at a large corporation before and seen just different types of it, seen a lot of bureaucracies that went like really weird, but the ability to ask the person doing the work to also be the owner of the corporation is an immense liberation and also a huge responsibility. And suddenly the worker is also the one taking the risk. Suddenly. I'm doing something, work on something, and I also understand who it's being sold to in the marketplace. And I feel kind of a connection that you only get when you are like a sole proprietor and you're just working for yourself and you're doing something and you're the one who can decide where you're selling it. And if the crafting is good enough, if the sales pitch was good enough, whatever that stuff is, but you can do it at scale. And so there is this ability of like, this is Thursday afternoon. We're all basically taking off work to come together. And now we all have to talk through the marketplace and regulations and the financials and figure out what we're doing because we are in charge of this at scale with, with each other. And, and he talked about all the way, and we'll, we'll get into Mondragon here a little bit of them having 80,000 employees and how they, they do with this. But the vast majority of worker cooperatives are not that big. And you can see this in little coffee shops that will pop up and also like they're all worker cooperatives and they're all having to decide like, hey, do we take the profits and do we invest in a better coffee machine? Because the old one's getting a little old. Do we invest in marketing? Do we pay ourselves out more? And suddenly you have this just equilibrium that happens of it and the connection. And there are people who, are, who get involved in a worker cooperative and do that. And also they're running for city council and they're more involved in their own communities because they suddenly are not as alienated or disconnected from others. And so that started me like 
looking around, talking to some of my friends. Of course, no one knew anything. I was looking around. I tried LinkedIn. I tried meetups, just searching around, finding things. And so my first aha moment was watching this, this, this video and then was finally on LinkedIn after me harassing people. And people, literally one guy was like, there's nothing in your profile that says anything about work cooperatives. Like, but I'll, I'll go ahead and join up with you. And so eventually I met a lady named Mickey Metz and the worker cooperative that she's a part of. There are software developers who make websites and uh, other things for people. And they had this, what's supposed to be a technical show and tell meeting uh, once a week. And she invited me to it. And yes, they, they do some sharing of technical information, but hearing them talk and hearing them work through this, um, this thing was, it reminded me of a little bit of being on the team at Whole Foods Market. Of course, it was like the big corporation you're not involved with. But it's hearing people actually explaining like why they're there. Because in a way that you don't get in corporate America. And so, sorry, you looked for one. I gave you three. Abraham, if you don't mind to the mm -hmm. extent that you're comfortable, I'd like to pause mm -hmm. with Mondragon sure. for a couple of moments. It's clear to our listeners sure. that you got emotional at a couple of points on this and we are doing uh, recording this by zoom <laughs> and the passion and as you know it's on my business cards <laughs> yeah yeah the passion is so evident mm -hmm. and i don't want to ask anything further at any point if you're uncomfortable sure but can you talk to me about the passion the little bit that i know you and we've had conversations on clubhouse mm -hmm it transcends this is a good place to work. Yeah. And I talk about work and I talk about community and you just talked mm -hmm. about it a little bit, but if you know what I'm saying, what is it in your wiring mm -hmm. that you really, it just comes across that particularly worker cooperatives, but employee mm -hmm. ownership generally, yeah. what is driving such an emotional response from you? You know, we, it's the thing we do 40 hours a week or 50 hours or 60 hours a week, whatever it is. And I've definitely been in the place where I've been doing three jobs and having to work through that and worked as a software developer on when I was first transitioning over and was working as a software developer during the, the day. And then one or two evenings, I was at Whole Foods Market. And then I was also there on the weekends having my, my wife and, and kids and all that. And even in the small company, it's like, they struggle so much with how much can we share? And even once I had some, you know, what they call them, uh, stocks, because it was a private company, not the public. And so I was able to even attend the once a year, I get to go and for half an hour, they go through the EBITDA with me. And <laughs> so I still have and, no and most idea. Of that, most of that time, Abraham is explaining <laughs> what EBITDA stands for. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're, they're going through that stuff and it's like that. And, I remember like going through like two years and they were kind of saying the numbers were the same, which is very odd because they had gone 40% growth uh, the two years beforehand. And then all of a sudden like it was flat and it ended up that I was like in the third round of layoffs and that whole thing. And so it's one of those things where like, you just didn't see it coming. You didn't see where this was going. And then in 2010, I was hired on by a mattress giant, which doesn't exist anymore, but doing software development for their, their corporate office and all that. And I remember like was hired on and like, okay, three months contract to hire the guy who hired me on knew within one month 
that like he wanted me working there. I was knocking it out of the park. I was doing all this good work for them. But it was six months before they actually converted me over. The next place I worked was TXU Energy and the electric company here and had a lot of success there. But the the disconnection of it, the I'm just showing up for work. I remember when I was in high school thinking that I did not want to work at some big, large corporation that you just get lost. And that just it was never my intention to do that kind of thing. I did not have a theoretical background as to where that was from. I just knew I didn't want to be in a big bureaucracy. And in a sense, I found some of that hopeless market when we're being all connected in a certain way. But again, it was more like on the skirts and on the skirting around the thing. And there's some worker cooperatives down in Argentina. And they were doing some presentations at this Agaric meeting. And uh, they talked about like, we're like, like, okay, well, who's actually in charge with y'all in this? One of the guys was like, I think it's George, <laughs> you know, who was actually like holding the role of president. And But they all had their own responsibility. They, they were doing their thing. They said they met twice a year and they would do a retreat together. And they would talk about like, okay, well, you know, who's getting married? Who's having kids? Who's moving? The kind of connections and things that in corporate America, we just don't do. We, you know, unless there's a very select handful of people that you're working with that you that you share, like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about moving, you know, or I am moving, <laughs> or even I'm leaving, you know, that kind of stuff, or I'm, I'm getting married. And they're still in your little small office. Maybe you might have some people celebrating it or going through with all that, but it's not company-wide. And so hearing how they actually have this like connected life. And also they had this really amazing thing because down there they have worker cooperatives and then they have a federation of worker cooperatives. It's not the only place that does it in the world, but they have some really good laws down in Argentina about this. And they were dealing with the customer in Canada. I have no idea why, but the Canadian customer needed more work done. And they try to spread out. They have like 12 people and they try to keep themselves spread out so that they're never like wholly owned as a subsidiary of one company. Like they, they try to keep their customers spread out. But this, there was a bunch of extra work there that they couldn't fulfill it. And so instead of like uh, taking away from the, the, their other customers to try to support this one customer, they reach out to a whole nother worker cooperative and say, hey, can you all come help them out, work with them? And you negotiate your own prices. You negotiate whatever level of work you want to do with them. We're not going to get involved, you know, but, but they, they need help. And they do that knowing that they actually know those people. And they're both worker cooperatives in the same federation. And it's kind of a pain at forward thing of that. They know that if they're light on work and there's excess work from another one, they'll also get shared. And I have seen some things like that, that try to work out in uh, corporate America, but you typically get to where someone who feels like they're getting played and there's a profit motivation that kind of overarches other things. And we talk about people, planet, and then profits, the three Ps. And there are B corporations and all that. And there's even not-for-profit businesses. But what, what I am fascinated about with the worker cooperatives is there's a guy, Michael Peck, that says that having the struggle in one person of, I want the best return on investment from the business. And I want the highest wage I can get paid for my time. And you have this struggle going on here. And it's in one person. And there's very few things like other than being a sole proprietor where you're kind of like off on your own 
this is kind of the thing that I've found that at least so far that has gotten closer to, hey, I can be connected to a community and we can all say that we're in the same boat and we can like not, oh, pretend like we're owners and think as if we were the owners. What should we do? We actually are the owners. Whoa, that we actually are the ones making those decisions and the ones who have to like roll up our sleeves and actually do the work. And as someone who's never been afraid of doing work in my life, <laughs> that is so appealing. And worker cooperatives range the gambit of between conservatives and, and liberals, between all those other things, all kinds of languages and stuff. But what happens is when you have the chance of my work will help somebody else and their work will help me and we will come together and decide what it is we're going to do together and how it is we're going, going to, to work together and where we are going as a community. Those are the kind of things that, like, where else do you get that? You might join a social club. You might join a church. Those are all good things. But the ability to actually be in a viable marketplace of making actual business decisions and the kinds of things that I avoided in college, the classes I avoided, <laughs> because <laughs> they just were like about finance or they were about the business stuff and it all seemed cold and alienating to me. It's like also like those are now important again and now I have to do those things. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I'm, I'm rambling now. No, not at all. First of all, Abraham, I want to thank you for that. And it was very mm -hmm. powerful. And I'm going to probably do you a disservice, but something you said at the very end, I think summed up and you said it strongly, but it, we actually are the owners mm -hmm. and it's not to me and knowing you a little bit the magnitude and the emotion comes from we actually own mm -hmm. with all of the rights mm -hmm. all of the responsibilities yeah and all of the obligations to community to country whatever it may be mm -hmm. that it is not you know we don't say give them a sense of ownership yeah I think what's driving you is the power behind ownership. Mm -hmm. And you just see where that's transformative yeah. across the country mm -hmm. or across our world, I should say. Yeah, ownership matters. I remember George W. Bush, someone I voted against every time and very different politics than me, but he talked about an ownership society. And there's lots of layers to that and people who didn't like it and all kinds of Cato Institute stuff. But there is actually something about having ownership and you see this even in some of the consumer cooperatives around like some of the mobile home parks where they uh, get together and suddenly they've lived together for 10 years some of these places and suddenly they realize that they're the land under them they don't own they've been renters of that but they've been owning their house which now is 10 years old and very hard to move and so they've joined together and formed a cooperative a housing cooperative and made a bid and they've been able to purchase it from the owner in places but and there's actually groups that are going around the country now trying to help people do this and what they find is this amazing thing of like all of a sudden there's all these things that need to be done to make the housing cooperative work and suddenly people are volunteering because they understand they are the owners and if that's going to work and it requires them once a month to get together at least and then have little committees to do stuff and all of a sudden they're now making sure that the water supply and they're now building the park 
to be used in general by everybody there. And you have the sense of community that something takes off. And so, because they're the owners, the power of ownership is something that, you know, I think, what well, say, I think it's just horrific right now, but all the, the money being dumped into the housing market and people not being able to own their houses as easily, you know, it's part of the American dream. And that's causing all kinds of problems for people right now, because the ability of people to get in and actually own their own homes and own their own land and own their own things makes a very big difference <laughs> in your life as to what kind of stability. And we see it in the housing. We all, and we understand that happening there. Can you own the business and owning that business that you work in and having some kind of knowledge of what the books are and how they look and I'm okay with get people getting paid different rates. There's some cooperatives, it's four times the difference. Sometimes it's six, sometimes eight, 10. There are some differences in there and people get paid different amounts. But being able to see where the money's going, how it's being used, and that we are all in a shared fate, which I learned back in the days of Whole Foods Market about shared fate. And, and we have this thing of profit sharing. And so depending on if we were doing well and we kept our costs down and other things, we got a bonus in our actual paychecks. We got to see once a month, but the whole point of that was about shared fate. And that's something that I find just extremely powerful. You know, <laughs> one of the interesting things to me, Abraham, is the shared faith really comes up in a lot of different contexts in employee ownership. We're all in this together. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the phrases we use, we grow the pie, we share the pie. Yep. You know, we say that yep. all the time. But there's a broader, we're all in this together. And the reason mm -hmm. that struck me is for a year from March of 2020 till about March or April of 2021, mm -hmm. I ended every single podcast with our countries going through a yeah. really tough time together right now. And that's how we'll get through it mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And that's in the context and not to go down the rabbit hole of the politics of COVID, but- yeah. Let me phrase it this way. I've done podcasts where I took the simple turn that if you were anti-mask, you're anti-employees. Don't walk into places and do that. But sure. the reality is that even for the people who were the most strident against masks and guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, we're still in this together. You know, the fact that there are different views, our fates are tied together. So I love that very much. Abraham, with that, We'll have you back next Tuesday Excellent. and we'll do the full lessons from Mondragon podcast. But thank you for sharing the yeah. power of employee ownership. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. With that, we will wrap things up. Thank you so much for listening. This is Brett Kiesling. Be well. We'd love to hear from you. To contact us, find us on Facebook at Kesop LLC and on Twitter at Aesop Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email brett at keysop.com, on LinkedIn at Brett Keesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. This podcast has been produced by the Keysop Group, technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design, original music composed by Max Keesling, archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Keesling, and I'm Bitsy McCann.